Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Do you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Come and draw from the well of salvation. Be made clean, let Him wash you in truth. He is the fountain of living water. Come and be made new. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. He can refresh you in the desert where your sin left you lost on the brink. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Him, dear sinner, and drink. water of life you will never thirst again let all who are thirsty come to him will you drink deeply of Jesus will you come to the water of life you will never thirst again let all who are thirsty been lost in the wilderness, chasing nothing but sin and death. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Jesus and live. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. This is not a story I want to tell, but it's one that must be told. Because history is playing itself out in our age. We need to know, how did the story end? I believe our story is going to end in a very similar manner. And I feel compelled to tell the story but also to tell you that I've laid my life down 
at the call of God that this story would end with men and women turning back to the Lord Jesus Christ. First, an angel came to deliver the message to a woman that she was going to have a child. She was sterile. She was barren. She was very excited that she was having this child of promise. Her husband was equally excited. They even called the the angel back to tell them again. And they said, your son will be, he will be a Nazarite. That is the holiest of holy. Well, she got pregnant. She gave birth and nicknamed or named her son the Sunshine Boy. The Sunshine Boy. The Happy Boy. The name Samson means son. The Sunshine Boy. He grew up in a normal way. The Lord blessed him. And then the Spirit of the Lord began to move in him. Samson became a very powerful, very powerful young man. And as the hormones began to crank over in his system, and as the Spirit of God began to move on him, he wanted a wife. So he saw a Philistine woman down in Timnah and said to his dad, Now get her for me as my wife. He didn't ask. He ordered his dad. And they protested. Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all the people of Israel? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? Samson would not listen. He said, you must go and get this woman for me as my wife. So they make the trip. And as they're making the trip, they're separate. And suddenly a young lion comes roaring toward him out of the bush. And the spirit of the Lord came upon this young man, sunshine, roaring toward him. He grabbed that young lion and literally tore him to pieces, killed him with his bare hands. Well, it was agreed that Samson was going to marry this Philistine woman. So sometime later, he and his parents go back. And as he's going back, he decides he's going to turn aside and see what happened to that lion that he killed. And there was a swarm of bees in the carcass. He took some of the honey with his bare hands, and he ate it as he walked along. Then he rejoined his parents, and he gave them some, and they ate it as well. Well, his father 
Samson have to do a feast. And so it's a long feast. It's a week-long feast. He is given 30 companions by the by the bride. Samson proposes a riddle. This guy's no dummy. He's very smart. He's just a dummy when it comes to dealing with what God is after. He's totally self-centered. Totally concerned about himself. So he proposes the riddle. If they can answer the riddle correctly, he will give them 30 sets of clothing. But if he, if they cannot answer his riddle, they will give him 30 sets of clothes. All right, let's hear it. He replied, out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. Well, for three days, they struggled to give him an answer, but on the fourth day, they they go to Samson's wife. Hoax your husband into explaining the riddle for us, or we're going to burn you and your father's household to death. Did you invite us here to rob us? Well, day after day, now Samson's wife just sobs and cries and says, you hate me, you don't really love me, you're giving my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. Well, I haven't explained to my father or mother either, he replied. So why should I explain it to you? Well, she cried the whole seven days of the feast. So on the seventh day, he finally told her before sunset, they come to Samson and they tell him, what is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? He said, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power, and he went down to Ashkelon, one of the capital cities of the Philistines. He struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of their belongings, and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. Burning with anger, he went up to his father's house. He did not stay with his wife. Samson's wife was given to a friend because her dad thought he had deserted. Well, later on, Samson decided he was going to go down and claim his wife. And as he was headed into the house toward the bedroom where she was, father stood in his way and said, no, I can't let you. I gave her away to another man. Samson said to them, this time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I really am going to hurt them. So he went out and caught 300 foxes and tied them tail to tail in pairs. He then fastened a torch to each pair of tails, lit the torches and let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. He burned up the shocks, the standing grain, together with the vineyards and the olive groves. 
who did this, the Philistine demanded to know, and they were told, Samson, the sunshine boy did it because his wife was given to his friend. So the Philistines went up and burned her and her father to death. Well, Samson said to them, since you've acted like this, I won't stop until I get my revenge on you. He attacked them viciously, slaughtered many of them. Then he went down and stayed in a cave. The Philistines went up and camped in Judah, spreading out. The men of Judah came to negotiate. Why have you come to fight us? There's no reason to fight with us. We've come to take Samson prisoner, to do to him as he did to us. We're going to burn him to death. Now here's the first and the saddest statement. They said, the Israelites said, don't you realize that the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to us? I merely did to them what they did to me. Well, we've come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. Oh, wait a minute now. Did you catch this? They are so happy with their Philistine masters. Life is good. Cash is flowing. They don't mind that they have pagan rulers over them. They've become like the Philistines. They're friends. Let me just stop a moment. Holiness usually has a lifestyle, life. Should I put it? In the church, we have rituals of 40 to 60 years. And then the church goes off the rails. Well, the church today has gone off the rails again. And we're friends with the Philistines. The modern American church is friends with the Philistines. Don't stir up trouble. Well, why has God done all of this? This was a setup by God. I'll show you in a moment. This was a setup by God to cause trouble with the Philistines. Now, my question to you today is, what does God need to do to the American church to stir up trouble between us and our culture that we live in? We're going to find out because he is set on causing a great deal of trouble between the church and the Philistines. Go look again at Revelation 6, Forces of the Apocalypse. God's not going to allow the church to continue to be friends with the world and live like the world and act like the world He's about to bring that to a crashing halt.
So they they tie the sunshine boy up. And he goes with them, bound. And they come shouting. They're eager to get their hands on him and kill him. Spirit of the Lord comes upon him in power. And the ropes on his arms become like charred flax. The bindings just drop from his hands. And he grabs a jawbone from an from a donkey. And he goes after these Philistines and he kills a thousand of them. Now he goes down. This is called the anti-hero. He goes down to a place of rocks and hollow and he cries out to God and God gives him all the water he wants from the rock. Samson drank it. His strength returned. He revived. Samson led Israel for 20 for 20 years under the Philistines. One day, Samson goes to Gaza, which is Philistine country, and he sees a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told, and they surrounded the gate and lay in wait for him all night, and they said in the morning, we're going to kill him. Well, instead of spending the night, he got up in the middle of the night. He took hold of the doors of the city gate, and together with the two posts, he tore them loose, lifted them from to his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill facing Hebron. This guy was strong. You don't mess with him. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the Valley of Sork. Her her name was Delilah. Philistines immediately went to her and brokered a deal. We'll give you 1,200 pieces of silver apiece if you'll tell us how to tie him up and take away his strength. Now here's here's where the church today has done the same same thing Samson did. We thought we could play with the world and we would never we'd never be in trouble with God. We're we're good people. We go to church, we build great institutions We fill it with brush, but we have no fire to spark it. So they now begin to go through a whole series of events where they're trying to discover what is Samson's secret to his success and to his power. He tells them what he gives her. You might want to just read chapter 16 and see the foolishness that he led them through. 
if you can lure him into showing the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we might tie him up and subdue him, each of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So they tried tying him up with, with fresh thongs. They didn't work. They try putting his hair together and pinning it with a loom. That didn't work. She would call out, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes and walked away, came back laughing at her. Delilah finally said to Samson, until now you've been making a fool of me. You've been lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. Well, she she misses time after time. How can you say you love me when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool out of me. Haven't told me the secret of your great strength. Well, she kept prodding him and nagging him. And finally, sick and tired of it, she tells him, she tells her everything. He tells her everything. No razor. This is verse 17 of chapter 16 of Judges. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. And Delilah saw that he told her everything. She sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more because he's told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. They believed her. And having to, having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. Then she called Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and strike and shake myself free. He did not know that the Lord had left him. At some point, the Lord is going to leave the American church totally. And they're not going to know what to do. They don't believe that there's anything they could possibly do that would cause God to leave them. They're the chosen of God. They're the happy boys. They're the sunshine boys and girls. It's all wonderful in the church. Everybody loves everybody. Everybody forgives everybody. There's no justice. There's no intolerance. Oh, yes, we'll take your rainbow flag. Thank you. We'll do whatever we believe God wants us to do. So they do. The power of God leaves them. Not that they had much to begin with. They didn't. 
So the Philistines take him and they gouge out his eyes. They take him down to Gaza. They bind him with bronze shackles. They set him to grilling, grinding in the prison. This makes me so sad. I'm watching as the Sunshine Church is totally destroyed. No power. And the Philistines have gouged out the eyes of the church so that whatever the world wants is fine. The church has become big business. We pay our taxes. Totally loyal to the world. He's there, struggling. He's dying. They say our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. While they're in high spirits, they they shout, Bring out Samson! Bring out the sunshine boy to entertain us! So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. The church today is the little monkey performing for the Philistines. And nobody even seems to notice. Oh, we're loved and we're accepted and everything is wonderful. Except it's not. We're in a dreadful place. About about 60 years ago, I was in school studying theology and then went on to seminary. I've been a pastor now for just over 50 years. I tried going the way of the Bill Hybels. I tried going the way of the modern church movement for church growth where you you take your flag Christian flag out of the sanctuary and you remove the cross and you you get your smoke machines and you get your your strobe lights you get rid of the pulpit with the cross on it now you have a a little plastic deal you want to put up We look more like a venue for a, a concert hall than we look like a church. When I went to seminary, I was shocked because it was no longer, from what I could tell, an orthodox seminary, even though it was a very conservative seminary. They were all excited about what they called relational theology. That is, everything centers around you and how you feel, what your needs are. Remember, it was Robert Schuller. Find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. 
the church became a, a relational organization where you, you don't criticize, you don't hold a standard up. You play games with the Philistines. So I, I went to some church workshops with the Presbyterian Church of America to, to learn some of their tricks. I went to Faith at Work, an organization that was very popular back then, teaching seminars on how to do relational theology. That quickly grew and totally took over the church. No church discipline. Everybody was just to be loved. Love is everything. Well, it wasn't everything for Samson, was it? Put him in a prison cell. It put him in the courtyard grinding grain because he had stirred up trouble with the Philistines. That's what God wanted him to do. God assigned him to stir up trouble with the Philistines. And the only way he could stir up trouble was by being a pagan, acting like a pagan, taking a prostitute, and other things. Until finally, God became so disgusted with him, he just he walked away from him. Not really, because God did want to accomplish his task of punishing the Philistines. So Sunshine Boy became the choice. Well, called for him to to perform his weightlifting tricks. Of course, he, he couldn't lift that much anymore, but he was still stronger than most men. But he didn't have the superhuman strength because God had left him. Well, as he's standing after his ex- expedition with the Philistines, he had performed for them. He's led by a young man, a boy. Samson said to him, Here, lead me so I can feel the pillars that support the temple. I need to just lean against them. And and I'm sure the young boy just thought, Well, he's tired. I would be too. Now the temple was crowded, and men and women, all the rulers of the Philistines were there on the roof. About 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me, O God. Please strengthen me just one more time, and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my eyes. He's doing something righteous now, but he's doing it for the wrong reasons. He's still a part of the modern church. Everything is about how you feel and what you want and how you operate. 
Samson reached out toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood. Bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other, Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And then he pushed with all of his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. He had led Israel 20 years. Now, in my small way, I'm trying to disturb the church. I say things that are uncomfortable. People get really angry with me, or they just say, he's crazy. Don't pay him any attention. So I come day after day, and finally the Lord decided to do something. Five months ago, I fell, broke my leg. My hip was shattered. Everybody said, go to the doctor, call an ambulance, get to the doctor. I said, no. Why? There was a man just in my house this morning, a neighbor. Pastor, why aren't you going to a doctor? Why are you having surgery? This is crazy. No, it's not crazy. I'm doing one small thing. I've lost 45 or 50 pounds of weight. See, my shirt's even a little big on me, and my jacket is too. The Lord, before this happened, said to me, wait upon the Lord. And he said it in a magisterial voice. Wait upon the Lord. And then he said, after a pause, the Lord will carry you through. Enter my rest. I'm not smart. I didn't know what he meant. How do I wait on the Lord? So I didn't. I continued living my life, godly life, but living my life. I should have just shut down everything and waited on God. I wasn't smart enough to do that. So I fell and shattered this hip. Now, why have I not gone to a doctor? Because I'm saying, are the promises of God still good? Sixty years ago, I could have gone to a man, he would have prayed over me, and my leg would have been healed instantly. But that doesn't happen today. Oh, there are some charlatans who who say, oh, everybody gets healed when I pray for them. Oh, come on. If that were true, your your church would be crowded or wherever you meet would be crowded with the sick coming or cancer healing and all other kinds of healing. That's, 
That's not happening. So I said, okay, I'm going to stir things up in my small way. I'll talk about it on the radio. People will scorn me, and they do. But somebody, finally, at the call of God, has to stop and say, I'm not going to play the Philistines' game anymore. And I haven't. And of course, I have a huge church, right? No, I don't have a small house church. Maybe 10 people. I don't count them. Maybe 15 people on a really good Sunday. No, I'm not going to play the church game. I'm not going to play the Philistines' patty cake game. I'm calling sin what it is. It's rebellion against God. It's wickedness. It's following the lifestyle of the modern culture. It's being constantly concerned only with myself and what I want. Well, that's not what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in what happens to me. I'm interested in what happens to the church. So I've, got, I've undergone now months of searing haze of red pain. Okay. Okay. What I'm interested in is the power of God coming again to the modern church. I see these so-called revivals where they get together and, and sing songs for days. God's not going to listen to that. God is interested in our repentance before him and turning aside from our wicked Philistine lifestyle. We're wealthy. We have everything we want. Life is good, except it's not. It's unholy and it's ungodly. And there's no urgency in the church to get right with God. I don't mean to be hard. I don't mean to be difficult. I just want Jesus. Oh, you can't call him Jesus, a young man writes. doesn't know the first thing about walking with Jesus. There has to be a revival. And it can't be a revival of music and all-night prayer meetings. It's going to have to be a revival of men and women repenting for the lifestyle of the rich and the famous. It's going to have to be a revival of men and women who, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, become very concerned about Jesus and what he thinks about the way I live and work and walk. 
He's not going to be willing to come and bring a true revival. There's not first true repentance. There has to be true repentance. And repentance is not saying I'm sorry. Repentance is turning my life completely away from the world, the flesh, and the devil and saying, I belong to Jesus Christ. My money, my time, my energy. I've seen in visions and dreams of the night real revival. No, I didn't go and get on Sid Roth and talk about it. No, I want something real. Believe me, when revival begins to be poured out in America, it's going to come about because the church has undergone a radical change as God begins to bring opposition from the Philistines and the church begins to suffer persecution. Life no longer is the sunshine church. Heavy storm clouds are rolling in against the church in America. Most don't recognize that yet. But it is happening. And many American Christians, so-called, will turn aside from the faith when they see the cost of following Jesus. You cannot follow Jesus and bring your world with you. You have to leave everything behind and your life. You have to be willing to give it up. I've given up my life for some time now. That's just a beginning of what we're going to have to give up. Our leisure, our comfort, our ambition, our pride. I listen to many preachers, not many, a few preachers. I'm astonished at the pride, the arrogance, the ambition. Oh, they have the secrets to make you wealthy. They have the secrets to to God blessing you and giving you everything. No, they don't. They have the secrets for how to be one with the world, the flesh, and the devil. They think it's everything. My heart's broken. Remember I said at the beginning, this is not a story I want to tell. Samson is the story of the Christian church in America. And many of us are going to lay our lives down for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many of you will say, I don't even know what pastor's talking about. Everything is fine. Look, the church is so successful and and it's growing in size and the budgets are wonderful. I feel sorry for you. 
haven't spent any real time with Jesus. So you're out preaching your little side gospel of prosperity or glory. I'm so disgusted with these people who are only wanting to talk about the glory. I had a young man come into my prayer meeting, and he was late, moved into a very strategic place in the room. And he began to say, oh, the glory fills this room. The glory of God is here. I love this. This is the glory of God. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was, it was his own deception. I'm not interested in having the glory of God. I'm, 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 I'm interested in having the holiness of God. The righteousness of God. Oh, don't worry about the glory. It'll come if you're there. I'm not looking for the glory of God. Looking for the gift of repentance for the American church. I don't want to show. I don't want. Oh, we're special. The glory of God was here and the gold dust is falling from the ceiling. How stupid do you want to get? That's a kundalini gospel. It's not Jesus. It's Buddhist. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be upset. But I am desperately upset. We have got to come into coordination with the Holy Spirit in humility and repentance and humbleness of heart. Now, is God going to heal me? Yes, he is going to heal me. It's not about me. It's about the sunshine boys in the church in America who are so filled with pride and arrogance and pomp and ceremony. God's not interested. And he's going to walk away from the church completely at some point. And he's going to have only those who are the remnant. Have you heard of that word? The remnant of God who will confess their sins, who will change their lives, who will go after Jesus because that's what they want. That's what I want. And I I see Junior Jones wrote, Great word, brother. Love you. Pray for you. I would love for every one of you to pray for me. This is very hard, but Jesus is carrying me through. And I'm going to go through until he heals me. I'm waiting on Jesus. He said to me, wait upon the Lord. Well, if I'm to wait on the Lord He will meet me. You don't say, hey, wait for me, and then not show up. Let's pray. Lord, my heart is broken at this sunshine church that has filled America and deceived her people. Absolute ungodliness, the fornication, the sin, that so fills the American church. 
Lord, I just come now praying, pleading. Don't walk away, Jesus. Don't walk away from us like you did the sunshine boy. Bring us as you did to him, finally to a place where we face life and death, where it's no longer about us. It's about you, Jesus. I'm encouraged, Lord, that Samson's name is named in Hebrews, 11th chapter. So I know he'll be saved. Lord, I too want to be saved. And I want my brothers and sisters to be saved. I want my friends who are pagans to be saved. Lord, it's not my wish that anybody should die. Plead with you, Lord. You save your people. You save your people. in your holy name. I'd love to hear from you. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and give online. This is a ministry of revival, holiness. Can't do it alone. I need your prayers. I need the remnant who is willing to stand with me to do so, to give as God calls you to give. It's not about Ray Greenlee. It's not about National Prayer Chapel. None of this money goes into my pocket. I trust God for my provision. But I'd love to hear from you. You agree with me? You disagree? doesn't really matter to me whether you agree or disagree, but it matters for you. It matters for you. Because I'm just preaching what's in the Word. Like the book of Judges. The deliverers become more and more corrupt as they have today. So, I hope it's been helpful to you. Love you. Pray for me and I'll pray for you. We'll submit and let Jesus do what he wants to do in our hearts. Without any pride or any arrogance, we'll lay our lives down for you, Jesus. Literally, we'll lay our lives down for you. So, Lord, I need to pray again 
There are some people who are just heart sick. Would you put your arms around us? Would you lift us up? Or if you don't lift us up, we're going to die. Lord, you see the many who have health needs. I'm asking you to restore to the church the gift of healing. Asking, oh Jesus, restore unto us the gifts of the Holy Spirit, all of them. Teach us how to walk in those gifts, how to minister in your name. Teach us then also how to be humble. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. God bless you, my brother and my sister. I pray that you will be filled by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit and that the God of all comfort will comfort your hearts. I'll talk to you soon. With great joy Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory